Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I like to say that hair is a woman's best accessory. And thanks to my friends at Way, they make it possible to have good hair days every day. Let me tell you, Way's hair oil has become a game changer in my hair care routine. So if you're ready to have good hair days every single day, you got to check out Way. Head over to the Way, T H E O U A I dot com to check out their products. And here's a little treat for you guys use the promo code Heal Squad for 15% off your purchase. Yep, the Way, T H E O U A I dot com, promo code Heal Squad for 15% off. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey and Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Minu. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. Trying to adjust my little microphone under here so I can hear. There we go. It's like magic under the table. Uh, When you know better, you get better. It is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. Our quote of the day. When diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. When diet is correct, medicine is of no need. And that is an ancient Ayurvedic proverb. Hmm. Welcome to Better Together, everybody. Um, Thank you guys for joining us. As always, if you haven't joined our Patreon, now is the time. We are doing so much over there. Last week, you guys loved our episode where we broke down all the lessons from Tony Robbins. This week, we're doing part two. So if you haven't joined us, this incredible $10,000 seminar that we all got to take, we're going to break down kind of the cliff notes of what we learned. 
share them with you. You can apply it to your life. You can apply it to your business. You can apply it to your future business. Um, and then we also have so many amazing things coming up. Jeff, why don't you share one of the amazing things that's coming up? Well, there's, again, so many that we can talk about, but I think the one I'm excited about this Thursday, we have a really exciting episode with a rising star in the spiritual community. His name is Sada Simone, and he is this really enigmatic, um, almost in the best way, kind of reminds me of someone who could have been cast on Queer Eye. Like he just has like yeah. that, like empowering, amazing mm -hmm. yeah, energy about him. And he's passionate about individual consultations, but he's really passionate about group workshops. So um, on the books right now, it's either going to be next week or uh, the week after, but he is going to do a group workshop with our patrons and do some Q and A's and just kind of even exercises as a group that can empower all of us. I mean, I can't wait. Yeah. What's his brand? It's spiritually sassy. Yeah. Spiritually sassy. Yeah. So he's going to walk us through some spirituality stuff and um, how to get rid of toxicity in your life and so much more. So we're going to start doing these special events with our incredible, um, uh, people that we bring in, incredible experts, healers, doctors, whoever it is. Um, and we're hoping our guests today um, will do a great little event with us as well. We're featuring widely respected diabetes experts, Cyrus Kambata and Robbie Barbero. They are um, two experts in the field of diabetes. They wrote this book, Mastering Diabetes. We're going to be chatting all about that today. It is a it's actually been officially called a pandemic in this country. Um, I had read this last night and I didn't mark it. Um, but the amount of people with diabetes in this country, I think it's wow. actually grown since the last time I looked. Okay, so more than 29 million people in uh, the U.S. are living with type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And a staggering 86 million more have prediabetes. I technically kind of have prediabetes. Mm. Um, I'm I'm just falling into that category, and I'm always kind of in and out. Um, it just you know takes a lot of dietary restrictions to stay out of there. Um, but yeah, it has been classified as a pandemic by the Centers for Disease Control, and by 2050, um, it will be affecting 33 percent of the U.S. population. Wow. That's one in three people. So wow. what's amazing about diabetes, having a dad who's diabetic, a brother, a million cousins, I've got a lot of diabetes around me, is it really is um, uh, something that all of us should um, abide by diet-wise, right? Mm. Um, the diet that a diabetic needs to be on to survive is really the diet that we should all be on. So whether you're diabetic or not, this episode is for you. But if you have anyone in your life that you love, I I hope that you'll stay tuned in and that you'll learn some things that you can share with them or just share the episode with them. Um, back to the Patreon, click on the <laughs> link uh, in my Instagram or click on the link in the summary here. It's very easy. Join. Um, so you can be a part of these exclusive events. We're doing exclusive giveaways over there. And um, also downloading the app is really helpful. So don't forget to do that. If you haven't subscribed here on YouTube, please do. You'll get these amazing little notifications. So you never miss an episode. And one last ask, mm -hmm. um, because we work really hard on this show and we are working tirelessly to always bring you amazing um, guests to help you on your journey and us in our journey. We're all 
better together and we're all doing it together. Um, leave us a review on Apple uh, Podcasts if you can. We're trying to reach a thousand and I'm so grateful for all of you who are. Um, it helps us kind of know that we're headed in the right direction, but also it helps other people find us and say, oh, maybe I should try this. So mm-hmm. thank you for helping us build this community. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of big plans and we're really excited and everything that we learned at Tony Robbins, we're applying. And so it's been really, really fun. Uh, today is September, as I said. Insane. It's still summer till the end of the month <laughs> when it's officially the first day of fall. But here, Jeff, it yeah. is getting crisp at night and oh. we're starting to hit fall and this will be my first f- real fall experience here i mean i've popped in wow. for like a couple days or something but this is oh, gonna be my yeah. first real fall experience it's fun in 21 years or something wow. i don't know I moved it's my LA. all-time <laughs> favorite favorite holiday it's the thing i like la a lot are you Laura saying fall is a holiday but... jeff Say that a holiday. (laughs) I call it a holiday for me because I love it that much. Um, Yeah, I just we both grew up in the Midwest and like my favorite like environment is like campfire, crew neck sweatshirts, like throwing a football like that is what I love. And you can't really do that in L.A. Jeff, you True. were like supposed to be a Kennedy or something. I know. <laughs> dad. I've been a dad for the last ten years. <laughs> but I agree. I like college football. Fall reminds me of college football, and oh. That's my favorite time. If we could say that was a season, college football is my favorite season. So funny. But I agree with you, Jeff. Like the like cozy. When you're on the go, twenty four seven, like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between, but... It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. Cozy sweatshirt. I don't know if I'd necessarily say crew neck, but I like your style. Interesting. It's exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be fun, I guess, like for us. Like we... We're thinking of like doing some exploration this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that'll be really good for us. And yeah, I'm going to have to start lending Kelsey some fall wear. Yes, she is. Because. Yeah. 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 It's going to get cool here. Because the tank tops and shorts aren't really. It's going to get cool here. <laughs> it's going to work. Um, and, you know, tomorrow is my mom's birthday. Yay. Tomorrow my mom turns 66. It's been officially four years since her diagnosis, so um, I want to say thank you to our Better Together community for always lifting me in my um, moments of need, whether you were in this incarnation of the show or in one of the other incarnations of the show. um, I spent many, many times on the show hysterically crying, and you guys were so good to me. Um, so I'm really grateful for years. This is why I always tell people when something happens 
um, and you get a diagnosis, don't believe the hype. You have no idea what God has in store for you. And you have no idea what that journey is going to be. And we always go to the worst. And that's kind of a natural thing. But we got to peel back and say, okay, as Dr. Raymond says, is this 100% true? Mm-hmm. And um, you just don't know. So make the most of every minute you have and, and you know, never take a day for granted. However, um, if you asked me four years ago what I thought, um, you know, you're in absolute terror and panic instantly. So you, you worry about the worst and, um, and it's not always the case. And I've coached so many people through um, this journey and the first things they're thinking are the same thing. And I'm like, you just don't know. So don't go to the extreme and tire yourself out, make yourself sick, worry, worry, worry. And then also, you know, the laws of attraction aren't really awesome either. So take it day by day and and lead with faith and um, patience. That's always been my kind of guiding force through this journey. Um, especially this last year with my mom when the tumor came back, I was like, we're going to lead with two words, faith and patience. We're going to have faith that we are are guided and protected and that the journey is going to be what it's supposed to be. And, and you know, whatever that is, we'll, we'll deal with it as it comes. And patience, um, we're going to try these treatments. If they don't work, we're going to try something else. We're going to just keep working with it and um and it's really been helpful and so it's kind of sad we normally celebrate my mom we have a huge party in august Mm -hmm. and last year we had friends who came in from greece and washington dc and uh canada and all over and of course because of covid we weren't able to have it this year and we have it in the backyard here and my dad roasts his pigs and lambs and i (laughs) get re-traumatized but um (laughs) but yeah so we we didn't get to have that this year but Mm. um we're celebrating her regardless yeah yeah i think it's it it gives me hope every time i miss an event that could have been a big celebration like my birthday was pretty much the day the pandemic started same jeff warm babies um but i think like this gives me hope that like next year we can do it even better so i I've been reading good things about the vaccine, actually. Like, I'm reading that, like, very likely by end of year, it'll start rolling out. Um, so there's hope. You know, there's always hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Well, there's no hope for our van. So yeah, that's Kelsey true. and I woke up really <laughs> early this morning. We had um, we have a van that really just does our trash runs and stuff like that. We love it. And uh, the check engine light went on, and um, it was interesting it uh <laughs> we took it and they're like um this is dangerous oh, like I... there were so many things that were wrong with it and we're like driving it like yeah. no big deal and so kevin was like it's fine it's fine and when we went to pick it up they were in shock they're like no you're you're not no. taking this like no. it's it's got to get junked and we were like oh okay the best part too jeff is we did almost take it and then maria was like wait go ask one more question we went and asked one more question. They were like, no, seriously, this is dangerous. Like, yeah. this guy doesn't usually write dangerous. And he wrote, 
dangerous. We're yeah. Like, okay, we have to say goodbye. Kelsey comes to the car and she goes, "Um, they were shocked we were picking it up." And I go, "Hmm, would you go back in and ask, is this dangerous? Because if it's dangerous, we are not taking this van." So we yeah. we had to say goodbye to our mm. beloved van. Yeah. Uh, there will be another one, I'm sure, in our future. We also had to go- say goodbye to the snakes because the Ooh. snakes that were um, attacking us yesterday um, are no longer. And it's funny, oh my, my friend Deirdre texted me and um, she said that there was, she actually knew what kind of snakes they were. She did the homework. So here's yeah. what kind of snakes they were. They're called Northern Ring-Necked Snakes. And they breed in the spring. They lay eggs in June or July and hatch in late August. That was yesterday, everybody. Late August. Um, And so they don't bite. They rarely bite, it says. And they just escape through your fingers if you pick them up. They do produce a musk. They're harmless little snakes, best left in peace. So that's that. I walked out there today various times during the day. They are not there. So they have gone off into the Thank woods god i think I they like, got overwhelmed by the fame on Marie's ig they needed to escape <laughs> guys so i got many so people. many dms winnie cummings everybody <laughs> is like dming me like what the emmanuel shrieky like so many people are like what the I heck saw. is happening and uh i they was love like the snakes <laughs> we are okay um, barely but yeah they were swimming in the pool they were slithering yeah. the little suckers it was crazy anyhow all right we're gonna get to the show um <laughs> or our chat with um cyrus kambata oh, and um let me see i want to make sure robbie barbero um they are the authors of the new york times best-selling book mastering diabetes which has since spawned a massive and passionate community of diabetics who live Uh, whose lives have been turned around by their innovative look at nutrition. Their teachings push back against a lot of the mainstream discourse around diabetes, advocating for heavy fruit intake and plant-based nutrition choices whenever possible. Whether you're diabetic or not, their teachings can turn your health around. Let's welcome Cyrus and Robbie. Uh, Cyrus is in Costa Rica. That is correct. Uh, thank you so much for having us here today. Robbie, you are in California. <laughs> I sure am. I'm in sunny Santa Monica. I love it. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, for the sake of our audience, will you share a little bit of the backstory of how you guys came together? Sure. So um, it's funny. Robbie and I were actually living parallel lives for many years without even knowing it because I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in the year 2002. And uh, from 2002 until the time we met, I didn't even know who this guy was. Uh, I was sort of going through a process of changing my diet and experiencing a lot of positive benefits to adopting a more plant-focused regimen. And then about 10 years later, uh, Robbie and I ended up meeting each other. And he had actually read a book written by the same teacher that that showed me how to transition to a plant-based diet. His name is Dr. Doug Graham. So Robbie read that book and he saw a testimonial from me inside of that book and then said, oh, wait a minute. I think that guy and I are going to become good friends. And then when we ended up meeting each other a couple of years later, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, so you're like another version of me that just lives in Southern California. That's pretty cool. Uh, (laughs) Cyrus' story was very, very inspiring. And I remember reading that in the book when I just got started on my journey in 2006. So it's been a long time. So how old were you guys when you were diagnosed? 
I was so 12, I, just about to turn 13. Yeah, which is normal actually for somebody living with type one diabetes yeah. to get diagnosed either in the single digits or like low double digits. And how old are you? And I was 22, so oh, wow. definitely later. Interesting. So yeah. you guys also had interesting um, backgrounds or have interesting backgrounds. Like I believe one of you worked with NASA. Am I crazy? I was reading all of this. And, yeah. Okay, I'm not nuts. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, so what ended up happening was that uh, I was a senior in college going to Stanford University uh, in the year 2002. And that's when I got diagnosed with not only type 1 diabetes, but also Hashimoto's hypothyroidism and alopecia universalis, which is, which is why I have no hair, I have no eyebrows, no eyelashes, nothing. So I got three autoimmune conditions in a six-month period. And uh, I was pretty scared. I didn't really know, you know what was happening to my health. So over the course of time, as I ended up learning and changing my diet, um, I ended up, you know, discovering many things about, you know, simple things that you can do in, by changing your diet that actually have a dramatic impact on my own blood glucose control and my ability to live a normal, healthy life. Wow. At that time, I was going, I was working at NASA as an aeronautical engineer, and then I did a full 180 and I switched over to learn nutritional biochemistry because the scientific experiment that was happening in my body was fascinating. And I couldn't find that much information about it. So I went back to school to UC Berkeley to go get a PhD in nutritional biochemistry, which is just super nerd nutrition. And there I was able to uncover a lot of research that not only explained what was happening inside of me, but also helps explain what happens in the world of diabetes and how you can truly reverse pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes using your diet and your diet alone. Wow. Did the work you did to your diet um, get rid of the Hashimoto's by any chance? Yeah, I would love to say that it did. I really would. It did not get rid of the Hashimoto's. However, it has brought the use of, of T, uh, my T4, uh, synthetic thyroid hormone, down. Mm. Um, but one of the things I've come to learn over the course of time is that Hashimoto's hypothyroidism is notoriously challenging to reverse and the only way that I know to do it is if you catch it real early in the process within months of the antibodies actually appearing on your thyroid gland. And if you do and you make the right dietary changes at that point, you can actually reverse it so that you're medication free. But in my particular situation, it had been nine months to a year of living like that before I actually learned that I had it. I'm curious what those changes are because I've had Hashimoto's but I don't need medication. Oh, okay. So did you, how long were you living with Hashimoto's for? I mean, I got tested probably like 17. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them.
years ago and and my doctor said I had it um and so it's interesting um in October this year like I had some nodule they were watching the nodule had like significantly um uh gotten smaller Mm -hmm. it reduced in size just I don't know what happened but um but she kind of equated it to like a mixture of my dad's diabetes and my mom's thyroid. She's like, it's like a combination mm. of both. And I kind of just never thought about it and and just went on my merry way. Mm-hmm. But I know that I think it's like, what, 30 million people have autoimmune diseases in this country? Yeah. And it's growing fast, actually. Yeah, so- autoimmune diseases being a sort of total collection of, of different diseases in which your immune system mistakenly attacks different tissues. Yeah, uh, it's so for the sake of everybody who's dealing with a Hashimoto, since we're starting there, we might as well tell us what, what you guys have found with Hashimoto's. Yeah, for sure. So that's actually interesting. In the world of diabetes and Hashimoto's, they're linked to each other. So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune condition. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition. And celiac disease or gluten intolerance is also an autoimmune condition. There's a, there's a threefold axis that happens inside of the human body where people who present with celiac disease are at a higher risk for both type 1 diabetes and Hashimoto's. People who develop type 1 diabetes are at a higher risk for Hashimoto's. And so if you go backwards and try and find out, well, what does the gut have to do with this? What researchers are finding out over the course of time is that when you have gut permeability, increased gut permeability, which means that uh, the digestive, the food that goes through your digestive system is meant to go through your small intestine and large intestine and, and only get into your blood if there are enzymes that specifically pull it into your blood. But if you have sort of microscopic holes that are inside of your small and large intestine, then the, the partially digested food material can actually get into your blood um, sort of for free, and it's not supposed to do that. So when that happens, there's certain components of your food that can trigger an immune reaction where your immune system says, wait a minute, where are these protein fragments? They're not from me. I didn't say that they could come into the blood. Where do they come from? Then the immune system gets involved and launches what's called an autoimmune reaction to try and prevent those proteins from becoming problematic. So to answer your question, the dietary changes that seem to work, number one, if you have a gluten sensitivity, reducing your intake of gluten from wheat, barley, or spelt or rye can make a huge impact. But, like, uh, don't have those? Yes, exactly. El- eliminate gluten-containing products. Okay. However, gluten intolerance only really is applicable to about 2% of the population, 2 to 3% of the population. Wow. So there's 97% of the population that has nothing to do with gluten intolerance and can potentially benefit from reducing your gluten intake, but not necessarily. Um, the second thing that you can do is minimize your intake of refined, packaged, and processed foods. You know, these are the foods that you find in the center of the grocery store. These are foods that are notoriously loaded with, you know, artificial sweeteners and with texturizers and emulsifiers. And a lot of these compounds that are made in a manufacturing facility have disastrous effects on multiple glands and multiple tissues. And your thyroid gland is definitely one of them. And then the third thing you can do is uh, is transition to a more plant-focused diet. Because when you do that, your total inflammation level goes down in all tissues, as we can get into more detail. And as a result of that, your thyroid gland becomes less inflamed and it has less of an autoimmune, you know, the strength of the autoimmune reaction goes down. Wow. 
Well, I kind of do that, I guess. Um, <laughs> Robbie, um, we're obviously going to get into so many specifics, um, but how did you come across this diet, this plant-based diet, and how did it change your life? So for me, I actually went on a mission to do anything and everything I possibly could to try and reverse type 1 diabetes. That was my goal. I said, you know what? I I think if I do what it takes to let my body be healthy from the inside, that maybe I can get my beta cells to regenerate and start producing insulin once again. So I set out to read every book I could, listen to every podcast I could, and just try it all. So eventually ended up trying a Weston A. Price Foundation diet where I started cutting out a lot of processed foods. I was told to consume raw milk. So you can't sell that to humans. So I went to the market and bought milk for a cat so I could consume it for myself. I did that experiment on myself. Um, That didn't get me any great results as far as diabetes management. I eventually tried a plant-based ketogenic diet. So I was avoiding fruits, wasn't able to have very many carbohydrates, lots of oils and nuts and seeds and greens. And while I was doing that approach, I was a freshman at the University of Florida and I had no energy. That was my biggest problem. I was losing weight. I couldn't go play pickup basketball like I wanted to. And I was lost. So I went back to my naturopath and she said, you know what? Maybe you should try chelation therapy. Maybe this will help you, you know, set yourself on the path that you're looking for here. And I said, okay, I'll think about it. But before I made the commitment to that, which I was going to drive a few hours on a weekly basis to get this done, it was going to be expensive. I heard a podcast. And it's so funny to be saying that while I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. It changed my life. I heard this guy, Doug Graham, and he started talking about how, you know what, you can eat a healthy plant-based diet, a bunch of fruits, a bunch of vegetables, and that can get the same results the chelation therapy was supposed to get me. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I've been told to avoid those foods. I would like to have them. Let me give this a chance. So that was in September of 2006. And then his book that Cyrus referred to earlier came out in December of 2006. And that is when I decided to give this a shot. And literally the first week, I ate nothing but bananas. <laughs> that was the experiment. I remember it was around Christmas time and I went down the Christmas dinner with a pyramid of bananas on my plate. Literally, we're talking like five bananas on the bottom and then four and then three, like a pyramid. And my family was just laughing like, this is not gonna last, this is another phase. We've seen him try so many different things. But um, now it's 13 years later and uh, I'm still doing the exact same thing, basically eating lots of fruit. You see, you've been eating bananas for 13 years. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and what happened was, as a person living with type one diabetes, we are all amazing test subjects Mm -hmm. for insulin sensitivity. So I got to see what happened when I started eating large amounts of carbohydrate energy, literally seven, eight, nine, 10 times more carbohydrates than I was eating before. And I saw, wait a minute, I I use a physiological normal amount of insulin. My insulin sensitivity improved by 900% from the plant-based ketogenic diet to a low-fat plant-based whole food diet. When you say insulin sensitivity, what does that mean? So that means how efficiently does insulin take glucose out of your bloodstream into your cells? Mm. And so really our book and everything we do is all about reversing insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is the strongest predictor of chronic disease. So it's more than just diabetes control. It's the fact that insulin resistance increases your chance of developing heart disease, cancer, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, 
chronic kidney disease, fatty liver disease, PCOS, mm -hmm. Alzheimer's, in addition to just unfortunate day-to-day -day symptoms like low energy, brain fog, inability to lose weight. So really it's the cornerstone of what we do. And that's what got me so passionate about this. I'm experiencing this in my own body. And I go back, I look at the literature. I was a student at the University of Florida so I could access a lot of scientific papers. And this has been discussed and known about for a hundred years. And literally what I'm experiencing now at this point, every meal that I eat every day for the past 13 years, seeing this insulin sensitivity is the solution to pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes, like literally gone. You can reverse those conditions. And then for us living with type 1 and type 1.5 and insulin-dependent type 2, we can reduce our risk of chronic disease and also have much better blood glucose control and a higher quality of life right now. So it was really that experience that led me down the path. I started, you know, launched Forks Over Knives, worked there for six years, and then Cyrus and I decided to start mastering diabetes together, and here we are today. Wow. So it's funny. Um, Kelsey deals with PCOS. So when I was reading the book and I got to that part, I was like, oh, my God, what? Yeah. So are you saying that someone with a PCOS, if they adopt this diet, can reverse it? Okay. This is a very, very, very good question. Ooh. So PCS is not a reversible condition, just like type 1 diabetes. It's not a reversible. Mm -hmm. However, what you can do is you can lower the volume or lower the strength of the, of the symptoms mm -hmm. associated with PCOS. So PCOS has many different symptoms, including uh, cysts on your ovaries, facial hair growth, uh, acne, uh, painful periods, um, bloating, digestive concerns, and an inability to lose weight, just to name a few. And there's many, I mean, there's, there's a large swath of the female population that's living with summer upon us, friends, hair is going to be even more important. Yes, we've got humidity, we've got sun, we've got all kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to find the right shampoo for your hair. Everyone's hair is so different and there's no one size fits all solution. That's why I love Way. They have different shampoos depending on your hair type. Want volume? Fine hair and conditioner will give you that extra oomph you need. If you need some moisture and a little extra bounce, find your happy medium with medium shampoo and conditioner. And for my peeps with thick hair like me, give your hair the hydration it deserves with thick hair shampoo and conditioner. Plus, you guys already know Way carries some of my favorite hair care products I use all the time, whether it's the leave-in conditioner, which is my go-to, or the hair oil. They give my hair this hydrating refresh all summer long. Wash your way to healthier hair. <laughs> See what I did there? With shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to the way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad. Your hair deserves it. PCOS, but doesn't even know it. And what actually causes PCOS is that you have an overproduction of androgens, which are male reproductive hormones, and you have an underproduction of estrogens, which are female uh, reproductive hormones. So effectively, it's a woman who uh, is sort of genetically or physiologically pre-programmed to manufacture just a little bit more male reproductive hormones. And as a result of that, it gives her a whole collection of these adverse symptoms. So the reason why we're talking about it now is because women who are living with PCOS often have insulin resistance. They become insulin resistant de facto as a result of this imbalance between androgens and estrogens. Mm. And so the goal here, if we could reverse PCOS altogether, great, we would do it, no question. But we can't really do that. So what we can do is we can reduce the symptomology of the PCOS. So we can change a woman's diet so that she's eating 
lower fat intake. Mm -hmm. She's eating more plant foods and she's eating more whole foods. And as a result of that, women report back to us that they see a number of positive changes. Weight loss becomes uh, much more doable. Uh, the pains associated with their menstruation become, go down. The regularity of their menstrual cycles um, becomes, you know, it's, it's much more predictable. Um, and then oftentimes ovarian cysts um, are produced with less frequency or they eliminate altogether. And then oftentimes like facial hair uh, tends to sort of reduce in, its, in the rate at which it grows. So there's a lot of positive benefit that can come from adopting a plant-based diet, but until until you get to the point where you're actually reversing insulin resistance, mm -hmm. you're likely to not see very many changes in a woman living with PCOS because all you're going to be doing is managing the symptoms, but a plant-based diet actually gets to the root level cause, gets rid of insulin resistance, and then that has a secondary effect to reduce a lot of the symptomology. Got it. So let's talk about the four main principles. Like when you get a patient who has diabetes, any which one, whether it's 1, 2, 1.5, pre, or gestational. What the, what, and gestational, of course. Correct. What, um, what are your kind of first go-tos with everybody? Okay, the first principle we start with in the Mastering Diabetes Method is low-fat, plant-based, whole food nutrition. And we have made this very, very simple. We put food into a green light category, yellow light category, and red light category. So green light foods, these are the foods you get to eat in abundance. When you're hungry until you're satisfied. That's fruits, all the fruits, apples, pears, oranges, mangoes, oranges, grapes, pineapples. Doesn't that spike your sugar? <laughs> That's what people think. That is if and only if you are consuming a high fat diet, particularly trans fats, and saturated fats are the most problematic and excess in, excess unsaturated fat is also problematic so if you're following the you know the, it's broken up into three phrases there like low fat plant-based whole foods so low fat is a maximum of 15 percent of calories coming from fat and then we're talking about plant-based foods that's you know plant predominant and then whole foods meaning we're not going to process these foods we're going to eat them in their whole original state and that's the key in the green light category you know, we didn't say apple juice. We're not saying orange juice. We're saying apples and oranges, which have their fiber, vitamins, minerals, mm. antioxidants, phytochemicals, and a lot of water content. So you start out with the fruits. That's one of our, like you said in the beginning of the show, where we really, really emphasize fruits. We're uh, very uh, fruit-centric here, and it's we find that people eat, the more fruit they eat, the better results they get when it comes to wow. blood glucose control, weight loss, energy, the whole game. So that's a lot of fun. Then we have starchy vegetables, potatoes, yams, butternut squashes, and then lentils, beans, and peas, and then intact whole grains. So that's going to be quinoa, farro, millet, spelt, whole wheat. Those are the first four categories in the green light area because they are calorie dense. They provide not just nutrients, but energy. And a lot of people switch to a plant-based diet and they struggle because all they're eating is rabbit food. They're just trying to eat a bunch of lettuce and carrots and all of a sudden they get hungry. They go eat a cheeseburger and boom, they have energy again mm -hmm. because they got some calories. So yeah. you really got to focus on those foods and people with diabetes, they're scared of them. And so that's why we have to do this education and help people transition in a intelligent way to be able to eat more and more of those foods over time. Now the green light category also includes leafy greens, non-starchy vegetables, herbs and spices and mushrooms. 
And really, nobody's arguing about those foods. Okay, every health advocate is saying, you know, whatever camp they come from, those are good to include. So everybody's in alignment there. Now, the yellow light category, this is where you got to be careful. You don't want to have too much. These are still healthy, nutrient-dense foods, but if you're consuming large amounts, it can lead to insulin resistance. So that's going to be avocado, nuts and seeds. I know, I was waiting for you to give that reaction. <laughs> Uh, people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have to be careful with avocado. No, no, no. Everybody loves their avocado toast these days. Yes, I know. I got into it too. <laughs> I know. I had one this morning. Like, <laughs> it's like purely uh, yellow light. So we have nuts and seeds in this category, coconut meat. Uh, we're going to put olives in there and soy products. Okay. So the most whole intact form of soy is edamame. That's what we recommend. Then you can go to tempeh, you can go to tofu. All these foods are great. They're healthy. They're nutrient dense. It's just that they're higher in their fat content. So you want to be cognizant of how much you're consuming. Whereas in the green light category, you really don't have to think about it very much. Your body will tell you because of the fiber, because of the water content, and because they're naturally low in fat, you really have a hard time consuming too much of the green light foods. You eat them when you're hungry, till you're satisfied, and don't overthink it. Now, the yellow light category, we also put pastas in there and breads. So, you know, things like Ezekiel bread or some really high quality breads are, are good, but you just got to be careful because they're much more calorie dense and they can easily prevent weight loss. So what if about, you want to lose weight. What about Dave's bread? Dave's bread. I don't, I'm not familiar with Dave's bread, but what? If, you, if you're asking about it and you consume it, I assume it's a high quality bread. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so that's yellow. That's wow. Yellow. I got to get rid then, of my avocado. Dang. Okay. <laughs> The, the red light category, these are foods that are known to cause insulin resistance. So we have foods like red meat, we have chicken, we have seafood, we have fish. Ugh. These foods are problematic for insulin resistance. We also have oils in this category. So unfortunately, I know, I'm sorry, Maria. Uh, olive that's gonna, oil? Olive oils. So here's the problem. When you're consuming any oil, olive oil, coconut oil, canola, it doesn't matter. It's a very processed food. You've removed the vast majority of vitamins, minerals. You've removed a lot of the antioxidants. You've removed the protein. You've removed the carbohydrate. You remove the water content. All you're left with is pure fat. And it's simply better to just eat olives, have the whole food with all the intact nutrients and the original water content, focus on that rather than a highly processed food, which doesn't make you feel satisfied. So because you remove the fiber, because you remove the water, it's easy to get a large amount of calories and not fill you up. So your stomach isn't getting that bulk that it's looking for. It's water plus fiber that provides bulk, which helps us feel satisfied without eating too many calories. That's a cornerstone of our program and why that uh, we put oils in the, in the red light category. So we're also going to have these new sort of processed vegan foods we put in the red light category i'm sorry you know whether it's these new burgers or the beyond bur i literally just wrote the note beyond burgers <laughs> oh my uh, unfortunately again we're, we're, we're here we're talking about health here we're talking about reversing chronic disease reversing insulin resistance maximizing insulin sensitivity those foods are not going to do that. okay if you were going to have a burger beyond burger or regular burger uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in a third option and I'm going to make it a, a black bean burger, a chickpea burger. Okay. 
you can make it super healthy and and taste delicious and put some, some some good sauces on there some really good heirloom tomatoes on this burger uh some some high quality lettuce okay and, and maybe maybe some days bread maria okay okay <laughs> um is dairy in the red light category yes dairy oh, is in yeah. the red light category. okay are Reese's Pieces. I'm uh. kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good question. I uh, wish they were. So, okay. Um, some of that is heartbreaking. Um, but um, obviously, you know, when you're dealing with this, it's it's important to, to follow these diets because um, that's where you have all the problems. So I want to ask... This diet, you apply to all of those diabetes we talked about, right? And right. what is the result you are seeing for those people? Okay, so people, people living with insulin-dependent diabetes, we end up seeing a 60%. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Reduction in their insulin requirements while doubling, tripling, or quadrupling their carbohydrate intake. So we're seeing a dramatic improvement in insulin sensitivity. Let me give you an example. One of our clients, Sana, came to us with stage three kidney disease. She was overweight, she had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. She was told to eat a low carbohydrate diet, which was about 25 grams of carbohydrate per day. And she was injecting 22 units of insulin per day. She switches to our program. She increases her carbohydrate intake from whole foods, that green light category, and she really focused on fruits. She increases it to 200 grams of carbohydrate per day. Her insulin use comes down to 11 units, wow. 11 units. She cut her insulin in half while quadrupling her carbohydrate intake. She reversed stage three kidney disease. Wow. Her blood pressure came down to normal, doesn't use blood pressure medication anymore. Her cholesterol medication is gone. Her cholesterol is now at a healthy 150. And she now has more energy. She reversed acne, which she was struggling with, and she lost a few pounds along the way. So that's a typical result for somebody living with type 1 diabetes. That's a classic situation where insulin resistance was reversed. Objectively, we can see that with the insulin use and the carbohydrate intake and also the disease reversal. Now for type 2, I'll tell you a story about Tammy. Tammy came to us. Her A1C was 7.1%. She was using 2,000 milligrams of metformin. And she had her fasting insulin level tested. So it was 17. Your fasting insulin should not be above 8. Somewhere between 4 and 8 is the reference range. She's more than twice as high as she should be. This is typical pathological insulin resistance. High insulin levels, high blood glucose levels, even though she was using diabetes medication. So she comes to us. She follows our program. She, wasn't, she was a little skeptical at the beginning. She was kicking and screaming, uh, not really listening. 
eventually Cyrus is on the phone with her while she's in the grocery store. And he just said, look, Tammy, buy <laughs> this. Buy this food, buy this food, and just eat it. And she said, okay, okay. Uh, it took her a while, but she, once she finally got on board, she got rolling. And now, in seven months, she lost 38 pounds. Her A1C went to 5.3%. She stopped using metformin, and her fasting insulin is now 5, wow. right where it's supposed to be in that reference range. Again, perfect example of insulin resistance being reversed. She doesn't need to secrete as much insulin. Her pancreas is secreting a normal amount. She doesn't need diabetes medication. Her blood glucose is under control. 5.3 A1C is non-diabetic. Yeah. She's trying to get to 5.6% or below. And as a side effect, her fatty liver disease was reversed uh -huh. and her chronic pain in her knees went away. And now she's sending us pictures of climbing the top of pyramids in Mexico. Wow. So fatty liver disease fascinating but a couple years ago my doctor told me I had a fatty liver and she was like I don't know why and she's like I can't tell you to stop eating or like eat you know eat less because you're thin and I kind of just was confused by it all um that was before I was really focusing on my health I think that was when I just joined e-news um and so I haven't heard that since I must have reversed it with diet because I always will creep in a pre-diabetes and when I see him creeping then I creep back on the sweets <laughs> and like <laughs> take it back a notch um because I never want to get into that into that world um my dad is type one my brother is type two who became I think yeah he's insulin now um and so I'm always like walking in this like very fine line um well, Maria we got to talk about this because we are super passionate about all forms of diabetes, but one thing that people don't address enough when it comes to insulin-dependent type 2 diabetes is getting their C-peptide test hmm. measured, okay? This is what we believe is the most important test in the world of diabetes, and not enough people are talking about it. Never heard of it so, in my life. Yeah. Cyrus, why don't you explain all the details about the C-peptide test and what the good range is, and yeah. maybe we can help out Maria's brother here. Yeah, fantastic. So a C-peptide is basically a protein that is what's called co-secreted with insulin from the beta cells in your pancreas. So what happens is that the beta cells in your pancreas, they have these, uh, this sort of receptors that are pointing out into the extracellular fluid and into the blood. And what they do is they sense when your glucose level begins to rise. So you have this collection of beta cells, and as soon as they sense that there's glucose rising in your blood, that's their signal to go make insulin. So they manufacture insulin, and then they release that insulin into your blood. It turns out that when they release insulin, it's actually attached to this thing called C-peptide. And at the moment insulin is secreted, it's cut. So you end up with insulin and C-peptide in your blood at the same time. Now, the reason this is important is because insulin has a very short half-life, meaning that insulin is rapidly degraded. It's, it has a very quick action in your blood and can appear in your blood and can, can be degraded quickly within the span of, you know, 90 minutes, two hours at the most. C-peptide just lives for a longer period of time. It doesn't really have any function other than the fact that it's just a good marker of the amount of insulin that your pancreas did secrete. So what you can do is you can go to the, your doctor and you can get a C-peptide test. And a C-peptide test is, a, is an indicator of how much insulin your pancreas has been secreting. And it gives you an indication of whether or not your pancreas is is struggling to secrete insulin, has an adequate amount of insulin production, or has a high amount of insulin production. Hmm. 
And what we find is that as soon as people learn about the C-peptide test and they go get the C-peptide test taken, it gives you information as to what is the state of your pancreas? What is the state of your beta cells? And a lot of people who, let's say you have somebody living with type 2 diabetes as an example, and they're making mod uh, dietary modifications and they're saying, okay, guys, I'm listening to your advice. I'm eating more plants. I'm reducing my fat intake. And you know what? I'm actually moving my body more. So all of those are good things. But yet their glucose is still high. Their A1C is still high. Their fasting glucose might be high. Their post-meal blood glucose might be high. When, in this situation, we say, go get your C-peptide tested. And oftentimes when they do, they, they come back with a low number. And the low number indicates that the dietary modifications and the lifestyle that they've implemented is definitely helping, but it's not good enough. And that if you have a very low C-peptide value, then that basically means that you have to start injecting insulin because the insulin that comes from a vial or a pen or an insulin pump is there to replace the insulin that your pancreas is no longer making. Mm -hmm. So the C-peptide is really just an avenue to helping people understand exactly what their pancreas is doing. And if you don't have that information, then you're just sort of flying blind, mm -hmm. assuming that your pancreas is functioning properly, but it might not actually be. It's like giving you the bigger picture. Exactly right. Interesting. And the fun part is, just like I was saying, if you get that test and you see, okay, wow, my C-peptide's high, I'm producing insulin. This is this huge motivation to say, okay, wow, the, the name of the game here is to maximize my insulin sensitivity, which is the whole purpose of our book. It's what the entire thing is about. How do you make insulin work more efficiently so you can avoid unnecessary medications. So you can avoid the complications you're experiencing now and that you're likely going to experience in the long term. And so it becomes this really fun game once you have that information. Like, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to follow this method. Because the method is, like you said, there's four components. And, and we've really addressed every single avenue you possibly can to maximize insulin sensitivity, period, end of story. There is no method that will be more effective at making insulin work than what we've put together in this book. Yeah. So I have to mention to everyone who's listening that you guys are not doctors. You don't pretend to be doctors. Exactly right. Um, when someone says, why should I listen to you if you're not a doctor? What do you say? Okay. So here's the reason why uh, it actually doesn't matter if you're a doctor in when you're talking about nutrition. Um, so I have a PhD, meaning that I went to graduate school to go study for five years and delve into the research to really understand what has been written about diabetes since literally the 1930s all the way through today. And this has given me an opportunity to really understand what is, how has the research evolved? What did we used to know? What do we know now? And what are the, what recommendations can we give to people living with all forms of diabetes to dramatically improve their life? contrast that against doctors who go through a traditional MD uh, education, okay? In my, in my family, we have five doctors. Very, very, very smart people. Not a, at, at no point in their medical education did they read the research about nutrition. And it's not their fault because doctors are, you know, they're altruistic people and they're incredibly smart and they go into medicine to really want to help people. The problem is that in medical school, doctors are instructed and taught how to treat chronic diseases using a whole litany of pharmaceutical medications, as you probably know, mm -hmm. I'm preaching to the choir, right? So when your traditional doctor is learning about diabetes, sure, they hear the words insulin resistance, they hear the words insulin, glucose, 
And what they're taught is, oh, okay, the patient walks into your office with an elevated A1C, give them this pill. This pill is called metformin. This is your first line treatment. If metformin doesn't work, give them this pill. This pill is called glipizide, and it does something slightly different. If this pill doesn't work, give them this. It's called Invokana, right? And so it just becomes what we refer to as the medication train to nowhere. And unfortunately, doctors are sort of trained in this system. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to really understanding what to eat, doctors just don't have the tool set, right? Because, yeah, I mean, it's like, what, 12 hours of education in the nutrition realm? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, there's some studies that are published in 2013 showing that it can be upwards of 19 to 20. But I mean, you can't scratch the surface. You can't learn anything in 12 to 20 hours of education. You really have to invest yourself and invest mm -hmm. thousands of hours in order to really start to understand a subject as complex as nutrition, for sure. Yeah, we had um, Dr. Christy Funk. She's the top breast cancer surgeon in the country. And she came on and she was like, I had no idea. I had no education until I mm -hmm. delved into the world, did the research myself and realized, oh my gosh, what we are eating is horrible and um she adopted the plant-based diet for herself and her family and saw all the hormones and the animals and she's like hormones grow things and you know if you have cancer like this is a terrible idea um so yeah i think um i think what you guys are doing is really important because you know something like diabetes needs coaching right like i remember my dad was really suffering. We've almost lost him a million times to diabetes, but his blood sugars just drop really low because he adopted the low calorie, no carb diet. And no, he never cheated. He never put like a speck of sugar in his mouth um, from the time he was diagnosed. And then at some point I got connected with Dr. Ann Peters, who's a top endocrinologist at uh, USC and she put my dad on the pump and helped him kind of figure out that he could eat things. And he mm. was a manual laborer. So imagine he's working 10, 12 hours a day physical labor on vegetables, but no potatoes, no, right. no nothing. So yeah. he had nothing to sustain the output. And so once we taught him he could eat things, um, that helped a lot. But he's he's a unique case anyhow. I just I, I remember having to hire like a coaching staff to come in <laughs> and reteach him. Um, so I created a diabetes boot camp at my house wow. to help him because when English isn't your first language and my dad's a super humble guy, he never wants to complain. So he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. He'll go to the doctors. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Okay, bye. And I'm like, Dad, did you tell them about this? Did you tell them about that? <laughs> so now I have to be there to make sure some, you know, the issues are articulated because he just says, no, 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 I'm fine. I mean, his leg could be hanging off or whatever. He just, I'm all, he's always fine. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting and people have wanted to study, um, him and his body, he, um, has always been plant-based. He's never had mm -hmm. sugar. He eats very little meat. Um, and his sugars, uh, he, I think he has uh, maybe 20 units a day. I checked with him last night. Maybe 20 units a day. He's 5'11", maybe 160 pounds. So I okay. think that's a pretty good number of units a day, right? 
Well, Absolutely. yeah, well, it's, it's, you brought up some very good points here. Number one is you're right. Uh, diabetes, there's a lot of details. And that is why Cyrus and I have become so passionate about what we do. And we started a coaching practice. Mm-hmm. I left Forks Over Knives. Cyrus left his career, which was very successful on a great track, to serve people so they could experience what we experienced in our own body. We wanted to help people understand these nuances that we wish we knew a long time ago. Yeah. And there wasn't a place to go. Like, if you want to follow a plant-based diet, and get support and understand the nuances of, of living with all forms of diabetes, there wasn't a place to go. So, so we created it. Yeah, because it's, it's life and death. What people who don't have a diabetic in their lives don't know is it's life and death every like minute. You're never really right, right? Like you might have one part of your day where your s- sugar is stable, but otherwise you've eaten something, it's spiked. Now you got headaches and you're a mess. So then it goes low and you don't know where you are. And I mean, We've lived a roller coaster with my dad, and it is very hard to see because, like I said, you're just not right. And so I see you two, and you're such great role models. You seem so happy. You're living with something that is very complicated. It's livable, but it is a complicated disease. Yeah. So you actually hit it on the head when you said roller coaster because that is the exact word that we use to describe what happens to people mainly living with type 1 diabetes, but also type 2, when your blood glucose goes up and down and up and down and up and down all day long. It becomes a full-time job, and it becomes actually a, uh, like a mental preoccupation mm-hmm. that can actually increase your risk for anxiety and depression. So mm-hmm. it becomes this holistic condition that can really sidetrack your ability to live life like a quote-unquote normal human being, mm-hmm. right? So what the value of not only the mastering diabetes program, but just, you know, the value of really focusing on eating a plant-based diet and reversing insulin resistance is that your glucose variability goes from being very erratic to much more stable. So you said, you know, okay, maybe you might get good blood glucose control for a couple of hours. And then, you know, two hours later you eat something and your glucose goes high. Well, just picture a world where rather than hitting high blood glucose is three, four, five, six times a day, Maybe you hit one high blood glucose every two to three days. That Maybe would be you insane. hit one low blood glucose every two to three days. And the rest of the time, your blood glucose is hovering in the quote-unquote normal range, in the acceptable range of 80 to 130, 80 to 150, and you're, you, you, it's, it's stable and it's predictable. That's the power of plants. And what the research shows, so you know, from, a, from a user's perspective, it makes life easier, period, mm-hmm. end of story. But what the research shows is that it actually drops your chronic disease risk for many other conditions. But here's the thing, like what what they teach you, the doctors teach you, is at every meal you need to eat protein, carbs, and fat. Protein, carbs, and fat. And so my dad recently got on a tandem pump, and when we were switching him over, you know, he was all over the place, and and I I was his coach for a while because I was like, Dad you're eating two out of the three. We need to eat three out of the three. And I was just like on top of him to try to get his sugar stable. So if he's already primarily plant-based, he's definitely not eating fruit. That's for sure. And he's definitely not eating potatoes because that's always been taboo. He's just vegetable man. So I would make him throw some feta cheese in there. I would be like, let's throw some slices of turkey in there. So we would get the protein, the carbs, and the fat, and avocado became our new best friend too. So <laughs> right. how do you 
how do you get someone past the fear of the spike with the fruit? Because even myself, knowing that I'm in prediabetes, I avoid fruit. I'll have an apple from time to time. I'm very careful. I'll eat blueberries. But I am terrified of fruit in general because I just know that raises your glucose. Okay. Welcome to the world of diabetes. I'm so glad you were hitting on this because diabetes education that starts from what you read at the grocery store and goes all the way up to what doctors learn is very fragmented and it actually doesn't have a very solid research basis. Okay. So just like you said, there's three macronutrients. There's carbohydrate, there's fat, and there's protein. What the diabetes world consistently says is that number one, carbohydrates are your enemy. Carbohydrates are the macronutrient that will make your blood glucose go up and make you secrete more insulin or make you inject more insulin. And as a result of that, the, the, the psychology is reduce carbohydrate, eat more protein, eat more fat. Because if you do that, your blood glucose in theory should become more stable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, it turns out that if you properly execute a very low carbohydrate diet or a ketogenic diet, which is all the rage these days, if you properly execute that, you can certainly flatline your blood glucose. There's no question about it. But for most people, when they try and restrict their carbohydrate intake, they don't really get to like a, such a low carbohydrate intake that their blood glucose becomes stable. Instead, what they're doing is they're having a decent amount of fat, a decent amount of protein, and you know, 50, 75, 100 grams of carbohydrate. In that situation, your blood glucose is a nightmare because the fat, especially the saturated fat, is actually blocking insulin action. Saturated fat blocks insulin action at the level of your liver and at the level of your muscles. So saturated fat, is that avocado? Very good question. Is that olive oil? It comes mainly from the animal world, chicken, fish, red meat, white meat. Um, dairy products, eggs. Shit. But in addition to that, saturated <laughs> fat is less predominant in the plant-based world, but there's definitely saturated fat, especially in olive oil and canola oil. Um, there's saturated fat in coconut oil for sure. And then you also find some in avocados, nuts, and seeds. It's just a little bit less prevalent. So However, that is what blocks it. There you go. There you go. You hit it on the head. So it, just, just think of the, the sort of backwards nature of this. The diabetes world is telling you to lower your carbohydrate intake and eat more fat and protein. But by eating more fat and protein, you actually block the ability to metabolize carbohydrate. So they're giving you the perfect formula to make it hard to control your blood glucose. They're giving you literally the perfect formula to need more insulin. To need more insulin, exactly, and to have insulin not work go to effectively. Conspiracy theories now, but I, know, I, I mean, I, <laughs> we can go however you want. But it sounds crazy, here. though. It's, it's unbelievable. When we learned, when I learned this, when I was back in 2003, these light bulbs went off and I was like, I don't understand what is happening right here because I just, I can show in my body that the exact opposite gets you a much better result. And now we've sort of road tested this program in 5,000 people and we've seen unbelievable results across all forms of diabetes. So you guys in your daily life are eating all the green light stuff, maybe some yellow here and there. I imagine you're not doing any of the red. Correct. And then tell me where your blood sugar is from morning till night. Okay. okay so, so, Robbie, you go. I'll give you an example here. So, in the world of type 1 diabetes now, we are seeing more and more people where 
continuous glucose monitors called mm -hmm. CGMs. Yep, my right? dad's this got the a, Dexcom unit. Perfect. So I have the Dexcom G6. We probably both have the same one. Yep. And this device will tell us what our blood glucose is all day long. Every five minutes, we get a new reading on our phone, and then we can see the graph throughout the day. And these devices now allow us to measure what is known as time in range. And this is referred to the percent of a day that you spend in a target range. Mm -hmm. And for type 1 diabetes, the experts have established that a good range is somewhere between 70 and 180. 70? Okay? 70 and 180. That's what they've established. Wow. Okay, so once you hit 69, you're low. If you're at 70, you're in range. Dang. Once you get to 181, you're high. And the goal that they've established is, okay, again, managing type 1 diabetes is not the easiest thing in the world, okay? Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of challenges here. You know, your pancreas that's working efficiently is doing a lot of work behind the scenes, and it's really a miracle that we can ever get our blood glucose in range and that the insulin was invented. So that, that's a, actually a pretty good range, 70 to 180. The target that they've set is try and make sure that you're in, within that range 70%. 70% of the day, 70% of any given period of time, you want to be between 70 and 180. Now, they say we want you to have no more than 5% low mm -hmm. because low is, be, is dangerous, okay? That's yep. where you can pass out, you can, you can die, okay? You, you know, you can die from a bug goes of like 30 or, you know, you're driving your car, you pass out, you get an accident, this is not good. When your blood goes is 200, 250, 300, you're not going to die, okay? It's not, it's not as dangerous. It's not good, but it's not going to kill you. Yeah. So the rest of that time and range, they say, okay, it could be hot. Now, there has been some published research on this topic, and they have found that people who are using pumps and meters end up with somewhere around 80% time and range, okay? That's like the average. Now, if you use more technology, you can get a little bit better, but that's about where it's at. Now, we are seeing consistently in our clients time and range of 90% and above. So I personally have a time and range of 92%. So wow. that's the best way I can answer your question. Like, what that's is your crazy. blood glucose? Like, it varies, okay? You're not, it's not the same every single morning. But when it comes to, to type 1 diabetes now, and more and more type 2 as well, this is the way to answer that question. What is your time and range? It's actually going to be more important and more relevant than A1C as this technology becomes more available and more mm -hmm. people are using it because A1C does not tell you the entire picture. That's an, your three-month average blood glucose value. And that doesn't tell you if you're a type 1, are you going high a lot and low a lot mm -hmm. and then bouncing it out and having low A1C? So my time and range is 92%. My A1C is 5.3%. So my blood glucose variability is also right within the targets that is being recommended. So I'm not going up, I'm not going down all the time. And it's not just me, just like Cyrus was saying, like we're these experiments, but we've tested it in thousands mm -hmm. of clients who are having the same experience. And it really comes down to this simple science. So um, I'm, your dad, he's likely, he's avoiding fruit. Mm -hmm. He's avoiding potatoes because he eats those foods and he sees his blood glucose skyrocket. Yeah. And, and that's a real experience. And that's frustrating. Terrifying, wants to yeah. Deal with that. He, he is so terrified of the highs. We're yeah. terrified of the lows. For sure. And, and this is why we had to write this in a book and really lay out the details because there's a specific way to transition out of that. So because he's following a lower carbohydrate diet, it makes sense that he's using 20 units of insulin per day. 
But something we have to look at here is how much insulin are you using in the context of how much carbohydrate you're consuming? Mm. So our concern is the long-term consequences of living with insulin resistance. He may have a great A1C right now. He may have excellent blood glucose control, but doing that is not what's going to set him up for success in the long run. There's actually 65% of all people living with type 1 diabetes for more than 20 years will die of cardiovascular disease. And 50% of people living with type 1 diabetes for more than 30 years will die of kidney failure. Mm -hmm. So it's the complications of diabetes that end up taking us out. And it's insulin resistance that is the strongest predictor of whether or not you're going to develop these chronic diseases. And just because you've achieved tight blood glucose control without reversing insulin resistance is not enough to set you up for a minimized risk of chronic disease. So how do you get someone to, like, if you're doing the plants, you remove the meats and the fishes, right? You're just doing plants and the potatoes and, and those good things. How do you get somebody who's terrified of the fruits to adopt this method? Because like, if I tell him, dad, just eliminate all the meat, like, which he doesn't eat a lot of, but eliminate the meat. Um, you can have Ezekiel bread, no more dairy, no more feta cheese. You don't need to do the protein, carbs and fat thing anymore. Um, and, and you can have fruit. Like, how is his sugar not going to spike, guys? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, right? Because you're sort of saying, okay, I understand the un- end result, yeah. but he, he's here. We want to get here. Yeah. What happens in the meantime, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's a great question because when I first made this transition myself, I was eating a low-carbohydrate diet. And under the guidance of Dr. Doug Graham, he said, you know what? We're going to switch your diet overnight, literally overnight. And I was like, okay, great. My glucose is probably going to shoot through the roof and my insulin use is probably going to go way up, right? In, in 24 hours. My blood glucose came down and it came down so quickly that I had to start backing off on the amount of insulin I was giving myself. Over the span of seven days, I reduced my insulin use by 40%, which is a massive change for someone living with type 1 diabetes. But the kicker was that I went from eating 100 grams of carbohydrate a day to 600 grams of carbohydrate per day. So I was eating six times as much carbohydrate energy for 40% less insulin. How many potatoes is that? Yeah. <laughs> How many potatoes? That is a great question. Maybe you want to look that up on chronometer. <laughs> so, I, will, so the, I will look it up. The, 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 the bigger picture here is that there's lots of people who are afraid, yeah. just like you're saying. They're afraid of eating fruit. They're afraid of eating potatoes. They're afraid of having a bowl of rice because in the past, when yeah. they have done that, their blood glucose goes up. But it's because they had the other things in there, the meats and stuff, right? Exactly. That blocked high it. fat foods, exactly, are blocking Okay. Your carbohydrate metabolism, the ability of your digestive system to effect, to efficiently extract carbohydrate and deliver it to your liver and muscle. Okay? So people are terrified of this all the time. And then they come and they adopt the Mastering Diabetes Method. And we teach them, you don't have to do an overnight switch. You don't have to drop everything and start eating a lot of fruits and potatoes right off the bat. If you do it over the course of about a seven-day period by sort of lowering your fat intake for the first three or four days, but eating non-starchy vegetables, and then eventually earning your way to be able to eat more fruits and potatoes. Within three days, four days, seven days tops, people get dramatically improved blood glucose control and lower insulin needs 
than they were using on their low carbohydrate diet. Do you eat the fruits with the plants? Like if you're having dinner, are you going to have like, like, you know, we were born with the food pyramid, right? Like have this, have that on your plate, whatever. What does your plate consist of at a meal time? Okay, this is a great question. So first, I'm going to answer the potato, the potato question. That would be 23 sweet potatoes. Shut up. Sweet potatoes. A day? Give you, seven, I kid you not, that's 750 grams of carbohydrate. That is what Cyrus and I consume roughly. My like dad's going to tell me I'm a lunatic. <laughs> Maria, are you crazy? That's what he's going to say to me. For sure. Now, here's the thing. Robbie and I don't actually eat 23 sweet potatoes but a day. You can. We are eating the equivalent in carbohydrate energy. Yeah. 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 So now, and I want to uh, address this, Maria, like, like you said, there are nuances here. There are details. I'm not gonna we're not gonna oversimplify. That's why we had to put it in a book. But like, there are there's like insulin timing is gonna be key for your dad. So when does he inject insulin? When does he start eating? What's his blood glucose? So that's gonna matter to prevent blood glucose spikes. How is he moving his body? Is he walking? And like you said, are we combining you know the sweet potatoes with the leafy greens and the non-starchy vegetables? Like there's, there's a, there's a method to the madness here or the madness to the method, however you say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and in our book, we have two separate meal plans, depending on how insulin sensitive somebody is. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming in very, very insulin resistant, you're going to have different recipes in your meal plan versus somebody who's coming in a little more insulin sensitive. So I mean, the way our eating plan works is breakfast is very fruit centric. Lunch is going to be pretty starch heavy. And then dinner is going to be more leafy greens, non-starchy heavy with, uh, with some starchy vegetables. And that's because most people are active during the day. That's when you're the most physically active, cognitively active, and you want to make sure you're fueling yourself for that activity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let me walk you through like a couple of recipes we have in our book. Like you might start your day with nature's candy bowl, and this is going to be your favorite in-season fruits. This particular recipe has pears, bananas, mangoes, dates, and lettuce. My dad would die. In... <laughs> I'm like, ah, I feel like I'm in a horror movie right now. A diabetic horror movie. What? That's so good. That's so good. Oh, it gets, it's going to get even more horrifying, okay? Wait till we get to lunch. Okay, lunch is going to be more carbohydrate energy. How about a curried red lentil and fluffy quinoa? All right. So this has obviously red lentils, obviously quinoa, but it also has potatoes for good measure. And then we're including some onion, celery, carrots, um, some garlic, ginger, uh, spices to make it taste good. And then dinner is going to be, how about some roasted red, uh, roasted, roasted vegetables, no, roasted vegetables with potatoes and mushrooms. And um, that's going to be like mushrooms, cauliflower, but still we're going to have some sweet potato in there, some butternut squash, and yeah, beets, onion, more herbs and spices to make it taste good. So each meal is going to have carbohydrate-rich food. It's just that that lunch meal is going to be the heaviest, but it's all in the context of a low-fat environment, okay? These meals are low in fat, but also meeting your essential fatty acid requirements, which is important. Are you guys so, snacking? You Absolutely. Snacks are encouraged. Um, now, when you're living with insulin-dependent diabetes, you got to strategize around that of, you know, how big is my snack? When am I going to dose the insulin? And, and how am I going to handle the insulin stacking and all that stuff? So there's nuances there. But for people who are not using insulin, then absolutely, I mean, snacking is just a no-brainer. We tell people, if you're hungry, go for green light foods. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. Just that's how you transition. 
then over time, again, you can get more nuanced and take it as far as you want, you know, eating dinner earlier, trying not to snack before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. It's going to improve your fasting blood glucose. So we can work with those nuances. But again, we all need to understand, like, where are we starting? And then, and, and what changes are we capable of making? You don't want to push yourself too far. If you need a snack at night to like stay sane, then enjoy that snack at night. Hmm. Okay. So. We, we got to have, we, me, you, and your dad, we got to have some, some, uh, some lunch together. I feel like we need to do <laughs> perhaps a part two with this. I know you guys had offered to do a session with one of our listeners. I have another idea. I wonder if we don't do um, for our uh, listeners who are diabetic, kind of like um, a, a Zoom event where you guys can walk through how you do this. We can use my dad as a guinea pig and you can walk through exactly how you approach these diets. And maybe if you do the two models, we can find one of our listeners who would be the opposite model, right? Mm. And you can walk them through this because... It's such a complicated thing, and I really want everyone who's listening to this show to understand how to implement this because, you know, people should read the book, and I'm hoping they do, but when you have diabetes, as you know, it is so overwhelming. You're trying to, like, deal with your day-to-day. You're trying to do all this stuff. We're in cholera. Let's see if we can simplify this for people and show them something that they can at least feel like they understand better. And then maybe from there, they can join you guys on your platform and feel a little bit more empowered to understand it better. I fully agree. You're absolutely right because diabetes can become overwhelming, especially when the information that you act on doesn't work. And that's what we see over and over and over again. And we've got all these gadgets. I mean, we got the pumps and the the monitors and the this and the that. And I know... I know it's hard, you know, just with all of that too. So if yeah. you guys are down, we'll schedule it. And um, and I think this is going to be really exciting. I'm really eager to learn all of this. Um, yeah. I'm eager to now shift into, um, into this for myself to prevent. I mean, mm. technically I'm at a 5.8. So I guess that means I am pre-diabetic. Oh, huh? yes. Right. So okay. I'm going to fix this. So I actually have a proposition to add to what you just said about okay. having a group session, right? Okay. I think what we could do, if you guys are open to it, is let's do a 30-day experiment with both your dad mm-hmm. and you together. Okay. And Robbie and I can walk you through the mechanics of exactly what to change okay. at what period in time and how to determine whether or not it's working. Okay. And over a 30-day period, I think both of you are going to experience dramatic improvements and maybe we can do, we can even get your A1C measured after a couple more months to see if that 5.8 comes down to 5.5, 5.4, 5.3, because yeah. we see that all the time and I think it could actually work. Okay. I'm in. Yeah. I've hovered between 5.7. I was at 5.9 at one point. I, mm-hmm. Last October when I got checked, it was 5.8. I'm going to have to get rechecked, obviously. Sure. But um, okay. I'm in. I'm going to wait till I get on the same coast as my dad so that we can be on the same page. Yeah. He's um he's he's a funny one. You guys will love him. He's <laughs> hilarious. Um and you know what it, the other part that's interesting is we're both anemic. So red meat, we've both quit red meat at different points and it's been uh-huh. very challenging. Uh-huh. So I'm sure you guys have solutions for that too. So 
for sure. That no is a plan. I'm really excited and I'm I'm grateful you guys are are doing this for people because um we need it. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. And and I mean, first of all, thank you for, you know, having us on the podcast to be able to sort of explain the subtle nuances of diabetes. Just like you're saying, you know, diabetes affects when when we go to give lectures at uh, you know, medical conferences or for the general public, we say, you know, how many of you guys are living with some form of diabetes? And you get, you know, maybe 20, 30 hands or something, you know, 20% of the audience raises their hands. We say, okay, great. What percentage of you knows somebody or has a family member with diabetes? 100% of the hands go up in the air, right? And the reason is because if diabetes doesn't affect you now, it could be in the future, but we want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, it affects someone you know. There's no question about it. And it doesn't have to. This is, diabetes is a preventable, an, an incredibly preventable condition. And it's an incredibly preventable symptom of conditions because that's what it spawns into. And if we can really just get to the root cause mm -hmm. and reverse the root cause, then diabetes doesn't show up. And then all of the tentacles of diabetes, all the other conditions that happen as a result, they don't show up and you can continue to live a life with a very low risk for chronic disease. I love it. I love it. Their book, guys, is Mastering Diabetes. It's a New York Times bestseller. can be found wherever books are sold. Their community events, videos, everything you need to know about them is at masteringdiabetes.com. Um, we're going to put together our healing event with you guys. Jeff will uh, get in touch with you guys. But in the meantime, thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you, Maria. Very Take much care. appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks. So fun. All right. Well, I am very excited about all of this. Um, I learned I a ton. Right? Um, and you know what's really funny is, hmm. did you notice how I completely forgot myself in the equation? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to do some work, too. Shit. <laughs> Damn, I got to do some work. I want to see Costa do this without losing it. Yeah. You're, he's going to be like, that's ah, why uh, I have to be with him oh, yeah. and be like, dad, oh, yeah. you can eat the mango <laughs> yeah, and the strawberries and the dates I and the like, <laughs> I'm eat fruit all day. Okay. Fruit all day. Fruit all day. Um, Jeff, are you going to eat fruit all day? I will now. I mean, the thing that's cool, Maria, is like, as you're going through this with your dad, they will be there. They're so passionate about mm. all of this. Yeah. Oh, they, you like, can tell. They're in it because they love people and they want to help people and they've seen it change in their lives. And they're basically like everything you've learned about diabetes is wrong. And like, that's why they want to get on board with you and like help you through the fears because they experienced it themselves. Yeah, I love it. Well, guys, um, another great episode. Thank you so, so much for joining us. If you like today's episode, a little recommendation, check out episode number 105 with Dr. Mark Emerson. He's a functional medicine doctor who offers uh, similar nutritional feedback and amazing recipe options. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, who are we featuring tomorrow? No, tomorrow's Dr. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Wednesday. Tomorrow's oh, Wednesday. Thursday when, is Dr. Yes. Sucks. Okay, yes. yeah. Um, tomorrow's Dr. Wendy Asafo from Real Ooh. Housewives of Potomac. And uh, that should be fun. In the meantime, follow us at Maria Menunos at Mastering Diabetes, at Jeff Crane, at Jeffrey Crane Graham, <laughs> at Kels Meyer, too. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. 
Well, that's it for today, Heal Squad. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you don't forget to take care of yourself today. I'll be making sure I'm not forgetting to get outside, do my meditations, and of course, keep myself fueled with some sweet, chili, wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios, as you know, are my go-to when hunger strikes because they're one of the highest protein nuts providing all nine essential amino acids, and they're great for on-the-go snacking. So... When you're ready to elevate your snacking game, visit wonderfulpistachios.com to grab a bag 